Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. It's TJ from New Zealand Mysteries. Welcome here, welcome back. Thanks to all my returning subscribers that keep coming back. If it wasn't for you guys, there wouldn't be a channel. Uh, so I adore each and every one of you. If you are new around here, stick around and give me a chance. I don't do makeup or anything like that. I just try and stick to the facts that we're given at the time of these cases. And the idea is we want to people to like and subscribe and share it around to see if we can rattle up some people and you know get something moving on some of these cases this is a case of a young girl so if it's not for you I suggest that you don't watch this one but let's get going this does involve a really young girl a six-year-old girl I genuinely don't mean any disrespect or heartache to any of the family members uh, involved in this case or friends my goal is to keep these stories alive and in people's hearts and minds and hopefully anyone that sees the video who may have info about the case may come forward if any family members um, do want to come forward and speak you're more than welcome to go to nzmissing at gmail.com and contact me and um, let's get into it so this case we are talking about a six-year-old girl Alicia O'Reilly who was killed um, in Auckland New Zealand and can this case be solved still I'm sure there's information around here um, that people can see the video and um, have a look you know there's police sketches that may have seen so let's get into it when I was uh, looking at or researching articles about this case, I came across this uh, write-up of called Broken Angels. And it's a write-up from the nzherald.co.nz and it is such an amazing article or write-up of the story surrounding Alicia O'Reilly that I just had to read this one for you guys. It's put together extremely well and there's a lot of information and a lot about her mum or from her mum in here so this is what I have decided to actually read out to you today so let's get started A Broken Angel by Jared Savage The words are by Jared Savage visuals by Mike Scott and Alan Gibson and design Paul Slater Nancy O'Reilly was bracing herself for a grim winter's night. Dark clouds were rolling in, and although it wasn't raining just yet, the council-owned house in Avondale, Auckland, where the 27-year-old single mum was living, wasn't built for stormy weather. It was a turn-of-the-century villa with a single hallway running through the middle, connecting the front and back doors. Drafts of wind would come up straight through the cracks in the floorboards, which Nancy tried to cover with mismatched squares of carpet to keep the heat in. Several layers of wallpaper were glued to the scrim lining, sagging away from the 12-foot stud walls. The toilet was outside and the lawns were long. 
And this is a picture of Mum Nancy O'Reilly. The place was in a dreadful state, but it was all Nancy could afford. She lived there with her daughters Juliet and Alicia, aged 8 and 6, and Isabel, an 18-year-old boarder who helped look after the girls. It was August 15, 1980, a Friday night, and Nancy and Isabel had cooked dinner for their boyfriends Nigel and Jimmy. Nigel and Jimmy were staying the night, and both couples planned to visit their Victoria Park markets in the morning. When no one was looking, Alicia tipped her meal out the window. I so remember doing that at my age too. At that age, I should say. Um, That's so funny, or feeding it to the dogs. She didn't like chow mein. As the two girls were getting ready for bed after watching the Dukes of Hazard in front of the fire, Nancy spotted Alicia walking down the hallway with her dressing gown wrapped suspiciously around her body. Alicia, you are not taking that cat to bed, called out Nancy, and there followed a thud as the six-year-old dropped the cat on the floor. Alicia ran down the hallway asking her mum to tuck her under her ballerina quilt. Nancy got distracted by the movie on television, as you do, so both her girls had fallen asleep by the time she came into their bedroom to say goodnight. Nancy kissed Juliet and Alicia and went to bed. It was the last time she'd see Alicia alive. The rain bucketed down on the tin roof overnight, the soothing sound drowning out any other noise in the house. Nancy got up around 7.30am on Saturday to find Juliet playing with her dolls in front of the heater in the lounge. She thought that was odd. Alicia was always up first, and if she was awake, everyone would be awake. Nancy sighed with relief. She could go back to bed to have a cup of tea and read the newspaper. Her bedroom was across the hallway from the girls' room, so she could see the lump of Alicia's body under the blankets. She went back to reading the paper until another friend of the flat, Jim, came by to pick up some tobacco he'd left behind. As Jim went to leave, Nancy asked him to check on Alicia, so he walked into the girl's bedroom. I saw the look on his face. Then he yelled, Nigel, can you come here? I just jumped out of bed. I knew something wasn't right. Nancy says, Nigel's words were followed by a long silence. Alicia had an obsession with pills and tablets. Nancy reached into the dining room to check a cupboard high out of reach of the children, where all the medicines were kept. Nothing had been touched. Nancy went back to the bedroom and pulled back the covers. The Paddington bear sheets were covered with blood, and she couldn't understand why. Alicia's face was purple and swollen. Nancy was repulsed by the ugliness of her beautiful little girl. She stumbled into the hallway and could hear a woman screaming hysterically. People walking past the Canal Road house to the nearby Avondale racecourse stared at her. Nancy realised she was the one crying in anguish. And, you know, I've watched heaps of crime shows that, uh, and I know you guys have too, American ones mostly, and when a mother loses a child, apparently that scream of anguish is something that you have never heard before it's almost animalistic um very very sad ambulance staff and police officers appeared from nowhere to ask questions and take notes cameras flashed nancy was taken by police officers to the auckland central station through a back door and into a lift 
When the elevator opened, a sign on the door opposite read, O'Reilly Homicide. She was taken into a neighbouring room and sat down at a table before a police officer sternly delivered a terrible truth. Mrs O'Reilly, we need to tell you your daughter has been brutally murdered and sexually assaulted. Nancy recalls word for word nearly 40 years later. It was a gut punch. I just put my arms around my stomach and I just kept rocking and making an awful, awful noise. And then the policeman said, keep your voice down, your other daughter is in the next room. And I shut up and shut down. That's the only way I can really describe it. It's taken me years to get where I am today. I think that's a, a you know, statement from Nancy. Tomorrow, Sunday, remember this was in 2020, this uh, article. Tomorrow, Sunday, August 16th, 2020, remarks 40th anniversary of the day Alicia O'Reilly was found dead in her bed. Her killer has never been found. It's difficult to imagine a more horrendous crime than the murder of a six-year-old girl with her sister sleeping just metres away. All little girls should be safe in their beds. Nancy O'Reilly was hopeful, of course, that whoever took the life of her daughter would be caught. Weeks went by without an arrest, then months slipped by, which turned into years. Tragedy would again strike for Nancy, who's experienced more grief and heartache in her lifetime than most people could endure. She's 67 now and battling cancer. Gosh, sometimes life is just really tough on some people. It's very sad. Long ago, Nancy stopped hoping for justice for Alicia, and any thoughts of punitive vengeance gave way to wanting to ask the killer just one question. Why did you choose my house? There may not be an answer, but a veteran detective on the case since day one of the investigation has never given up on trying to find out. His efforts behind the scenes have led Auckland City Police to review the evidence on the original file with fresh eyes in 2020, with at least one new line of inquiry to explore. Allsop Smith was a young trainee detective in the Auckland CIB in August 1980 and given the somewhat menial task of securing the crime scene at Canal Road, Avondale. He recalls combing through the long, unkept grass on his hands and knees looking for clues. Looking back, Allsop Smith says he remembers it was difficult to comprehend the magnitude of what had happened. He'd worked homicide investigations before, but this was a far cry from a drunken ball on Queen Street, which had taken a fatal turn for the worst. He said, you find a kid dead in her bed, you don't automatically think someone's broken in and hurt and killed her overnight. It's not a place you can get to without being forced by the evidence, Allsop Smith says. And the evidence does force us to. There's no wriggle room by which you can come to a different conclusion, he said. The pathologist who wrote the post-mortem report concluded Alicia was suffocated. He found semen in her body and determined her injuries were caused by sexual assault. On hearing the disturbing sexual element, Nancy O'Reilly struggled to cope as it brought back memories of her own sexual abuse as a child, and the feeling she had failed to protect Alicia from the same suffering. I hope she doesn't blame herself. Uh, she also felt a strange sense of relief. The sexual assault was proof she hadn't killed her daughter. 
I thought, thank God it wasn't me. I was so screwed up mentally at the time. I thought I might have gotten up in the middle of the night and hurt her. Fingerprints and a partial palm print were found by police and cross-checked with 200,000 sets of prints. There were no matches. If Alicia had been killed today, the semen found would be considered almost ironclad evidence if the DNA from the sample matched a suspect's genetic profile. Back in 1980, even the idea of DNA was the stuff of science fiction. There was other forensic evidence though. Pubic hairs were sent for testing in Australia, which identified the killer's blood type and as long or as likely being of Pacific Island or Māori descent. The hair follicles revealed under circumstantial clue or I'll say again, the hair follicles revealed another circumstantial clue. The strands were contaminated with five elements of the periodic table, antimony, cobalt, chromium, barium and iron. This indicated the killer probably worked in a ceramic or paint industry. In the 1980s, Avondale was a working class suburb where many residents worked at industrial factories along Rosebank Road in nearby New Lynn. More than 600 people were nominated by police or members of the public as Alicia's potential killer. Without DNA science, or even an eyewitness account for that matter, to point the finger at a specific individual, the murder investigation relied on old-fashioned detective work to whittle down the suspect list. Many were ruled out because their blood type was different to the suspect's hair sample. This narrowed the field a little, but the rest had to be interviewed and have their alibis checked out by detectives. Some of the suspects, who were child sex offenders, had a rock-solid alibi. They were in prison at the time. Others were harder to corroborate. In those days, there were no digital footprints, cell phones, GPS, credit card or FPOS transactions, social media posts and security camera cameras to track someone's movements. Someone's alibi often relied solely on the word of a family member, friend or colleague. And, of course, we know very well that uh, family members and friends can give an alibi that is not completely accurate. Allsop Smith says, From time to time we know that people's recollection can be mistaken. That's why it is so important to get those alibis checked out early rather than wait weeks or months. Nigel and Jimmy, the two men who stayed the night with their girlfriends, Nancy and Isabel, were also ruled out. This means the police were looking for a killer who broke into the house, suggesting they had some sort of geographical connection. Officers went door-to-door in the residential streets around Canal Road, as well as visiting the commercial businesses to gather up every detail, no matter how insignificant it might have seemed. So a shot of Canal Road here and whereabouts it is in Avondale. In particular, in particular, the police wanted to speak with anyone working the night shift on the Friday evening or before the sun came up on the Saturday morning Alicia's body was discovered. A strongly built Polynesian man, about one meter, one point eight meter tall, had been seen 
outside the O'Reilly residence around 6.30am. He was wearing an army-style jacket, dark trousers and boots. An identikit picture was released to the public, but nothing came of it. So obviously this is the identikit picture that was released. The police started to focus their attention on a 23-year-old man who lived nearby. He had suffered permanent brain damage in an accident and had the mental age of an 8-year-old boy. When questioned, the young man denied any involvement but described a vivid dream in which he saw a small boy enter the O'Reilly home then kill and uh, hurt Alicia. He became the prime suspect but willingly volunteered his fingerprints as well as hair, blood, nail and semen samples. His blood type was the same but otherwise no match could be made. Um, it's a very weird thing. I've never heard of that when someone says that they had a um, dream about it. That's a bit weird. Nancy O'Reilly never really believed this young man was responsible for Alicia's death, although she can't put her finger on why. She had so many unanswered questions that gnawed at her. One thing that puzzled her was why Alicia was brutally killed, but Juliet, who was only metres away, was untouched. She said, The only thing I can think of was Jules had short hair and was wearing hand-me-down boys' pyjamas, says Nancy, and that may have saved her life. She's convinced, however, that the eight-year-old Juliet saw what happened to Alicia, which is just a horrible, horrible thing for a child to see. Um, compared to Alicia, whom everyone regarded as the life of the party, Juliet had always been a very responsible and serious child. Following her sister's death, she became even more shy and withdrawn. I think she saw something, and I think she just shut it down, says Nancy. The possibility that Juliet had vital information to solve the case was a genuine prospect for the police, who briefly considered hypnotherapy to draw out any repressed memories. I'm not sure what I think of hypnotherapy, um, but I've never had it, so let me know if that's something you've had. I've heard of people doing it for giving up smoking and lots of other reasons. So if you've had an experience with hypnotherapy, uh, let me know with well, how it went and um, yeah, what you think. The police poured a huge amount of resources into Operation Sturbridge. Inevitably, as more time passed without progress, the number of staff working on the case dwindled. The trail ran cold and with it, Nancy's hopes faded as each year passed. Her anguish never waned. She just was just numbed by pain. Then in November 1987, she was plunged into a new tragedy. Nancy and Juliet were passengers in a car travelling in Mount Wellington when another car ploughed into them. Juliet, aged 15 at the time, died at the scene of the accident. The driver of the other vehicle was drunk. Um, oh, sorry, a bit emotional. The, uh, this poor lady, as if she has not gone through enough, um, and this as well. Uh, gosh, you know what? She must be one hell of a woman to have been through this. 
Nancy was left reeling, plunged into a particular grief that few people could understand. Both her girls were gone in tragic circumstances that no one could predict. This was different, though, because of the healing power of forgiveness. Where Alicia's life had been taken in the middle of the night by a stranger, a faceless monster, Juliet had been killed by someone who was little more than a boy himself. The 20-year-old pleaded guilty to drink driving causing death and Nancy agreed to meet with him ahead of the sentencing hearing at the Auckland District Court. Well, I can't uh, imagine myself doing that. So this is one remarkable uh, woman. It was a wonderful meeting which ended with him in tears apologising to me and I gave him a cuddle. He didn't wake up that morning thinking, I'm going to kill Juliet O'Reilly, said Nancy. I copped a lot of flack for forgiving that boy, but forgiving him was one of the most wonderful experiences. A whole weight lifted off my shoulders. Amazing, amazing. Nancy learnt to live with the pain and get on with her life. She had a job and a partner, and two years after Juliet's death, they fell pregnant. However, the joy of creating new life soon dissolved into numbness. The little girl, Kimberly, died a few hours after being born. I need a break for a second. On top of her grief at having to bury a third child, Nancy felt guilt and shame that somehow she was to blame for their deaths. She says... By the time the third funeral had come around, I was apologising to everyone for having to come to yet another one of my daughter's funerals. They saw me as a jinx. They did. We might catch it off her. It's a very lonely experience. When asked how she coped with such recurring tragedy, Nancy says her tough childhood made her resilient. Her father was taken away to a mental institution and her mother was left to run the farm. When her mother's anger and frustration boiled over, Nancy copped a brunt of it. She was also sexually abused as a teenager. She believes the stress and anxiety of her childhood prepared her to cope with Alicia's murder and the subsequent deaths of Juliet and Kimberly. She said, I had three choices. You could kill yourself or I had a very religious upbringing, so I wasn't going to do that. You could live a half-life, and boy, I've lived a half-life for a long time. Or you can get on with it. I think that's it, really. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the soil that grows food for our families. These basic elements are essential to healthy, happy lives. America's corn growers think so, too. Across the country, they're pitching in every day and doing the work to produce food and fuel that is healthy in a sustainable way. Go to ncga.com to learn more about how corn farmers grow a more sustainable future for us all. That's ncga.com. Leverage Redemption comes to IMDb-TV, and the con is on and more exciting than ever. The team reunites as they take justice into their own hands, not to mention adding a few new exciting recruits. For this crew, the stealing is mutual. There's no shortage of bad guys, and the con game has only gotten more complicated. Don't miss out on the action-packed heist and discover why crime is fun when you're the good guys. Leverage Redemption, now streaming free on IMDb-TV. IMDb-TV is available on Fire TV, Roku, or anywhere Prime Video is available. As Nancy O'Reilly got on with her life, so did Stu Allsop-Smith. 
His police career progressed through working on countless murders and drug investigations, although the disturbing death of Alicia O'Reilly remained burned into his mind. In the early 2000s, there was a flurry of police interest in cold cases, following the DNA breakthrough in which 2002 convicted Jules Micus of the and murder of Teresa Cormack at just six years of age, 15 years earlier. Allsop Smith, by now a detective inspector, picked up the Operation Sturbridge file again and picked up the phone to call Nancy O'Reilly. Unlike the Cormack cold case, there would be no DNA success story to solve Alicia Riley's murder, no science to place her killer before the courts to face justice. Inexplicably, inexplicably, the swabs containing the killer's semen were destroyed in the 1980s before DNA testing was available. Wow, that pisses you off, doesn't it? Pisses you off. To this day, Nancy remains angry about the short-sighted decision. I don't blame her. She didn't remember Allsop Smith combing through the lawn as a young detective all those years ago, but she appreciated the ongoing interest from the senior police officer. Allsop Smith promised to keep her in the loop on any developments, and he did just that over the coming years. Nancy went on to participate in television shows like Sensing Murder in an attempt to find new clues and solve the case, hoping perhaps the publicity will jog someone's memory or prick a guilty conscience. Now, Sensing Murder was a program in New Zealand at the time. Um, it was uh, psychics and who tried to solve murders, and I do have a little article at the end of this about um, one of those people. For years, she thought that not only holding Alicia's killer to account could honour her daughter's memory, but in writing her book, Broken Angels, in 2004, Nancy discovered she no longer felt she needed someone to be convicted of murder. A trial would be traumatic and would bring her closure anyway. So as normal, I have all links to um, the articles in the description box below, and I'm also going to have a link to where you can get her book as well i haven't got it or read it but i really want to um yeah to be absolutely honest she said i don't care about that anymore nothing is going to bring alicia back or make up for the 40 years of not having her nancy tells the weekend herald at her whakatani home all of those things that you look forward to growing up leaving home getting married and having children a lot of my friends have children that are in their 40s now it still feels weird for me. I think, wow, my kids would be too, but they're not. Then, last year, came another phone call from Allsop Smith. He'd been working away behind the scenes and called to say there was a new lead to follow. And speaking to the Weekend Herald, Allsop Smith is cautious about saying too much in order to protect the integrity of the investigation. He says, we do need to hold certain things back. Things only the killer would know. But given the passage of time, he urged anyone who feels uneasy about an alibi they gave to police in the 1980s to come forward now. Loyalty and allegiances change, he said, in particular when people are in relationships where they might have felt pressured to protect someone with an alibi. He said no one should let embarrassment or guilt stop them from talking to the police. Our only interest is to solve this case, he said. If the police were successful, Allsop Smith says it would be a career 
highlight. He also said this is unfinished business. This case is one that has never ever gone away. It certainly stayed with me throughout my whole career. You might be doing something else and like a wave it washes over you. What about this? What about that? It's never too far from my mind. Allsop Smith's persistence has led to the Auckland City Police District to review the homicide file with a fresh set of eyes, which is so great. Detectives are rifling through boxes of documents and records to scan them into digital files in order to look at the original evidence through a modern investigative lens. Already, the team have identified some matters that require further investigation and inquiry, says Acting Detective Inspector Glenn Baldwin. What I can confirm is the small team working on this hurt and murder case of a six-year-old child are highly motivated and focused. Nancy O'Reilly would dearly love some answers about Alicia before she dies. Where there's life, she says there's hope, but Nancy doesn't want to embrace it. There's been too many disappointments over the years. She's 67 now and has two adult sons, Jay and Liam, whom she loves dearly. She got some more bad news when she was diagnosed with a chronic form of leukemia. The chemotherapy treatment knocks her around. Um, this lady, I, I just don't have words um, saying, yeah, I don't know what to say. She's just amazing and so strong. I marvellous woman if the police do find Alicia's killer 40 years on Nancy says her need for revenge is now gone she's gone through the anger stage of the grieving process and she says she has now forgiven the man who killed her daughter for her own sake I don't know if I could forgive um, they say that it takes a big pressure off yourself um, in the healing process uh, I, I just don't know if I could do it myself she doesn't want a criminal trial, just a name and face to put to the shapeless phantom which gave her so many sleepless nights and the chance to ask one question. Why did you choose my home? Nancy tells a story about meeting a burglar who went on to work for an insurance company. The reformed criminal said he would drive down the street and pick houses to burgle, just off a gut feeling. It would be interesting to see if the person who killed Alicia, says Nancy, would say it was just a feeling. Okay, what to say about that? What an first, the write-up by the NZ Herald. This was amazing. They did such an amazing job. It was really awesome and gave us a lot of the facts. Uh, you know, having Nancy there and telling a lot of information was really, really cool. Um, and, you know, what more can you say about this wonderful, strong woman who's been through so much and it looks like life keeps chucking shit at her. Um, yeah. Now, they did mention in there about going to psychics with the show Sensing Murder. So I did find this um, nowtolove.co.nz, Calvin Crookshank, a murdered child's spirit spoke to me. And the reason I'm putting this in is because I like to sort of 
look at all versions or all parts of a case whether you believe in it or not it's just a part Calvin Crookshank doesn't look like the type of guy who would cry easily but the strapping 188 centimetre 6'2 Kiwi bloke confesses he has shed many tears over the tragic death of 6 year old Alicia O'Reilly the bright eyed schoolgirl with a cheeky smile was uh, and murdered in her bed nearly 26 years ago. Calvin, who was just nine at the time, was one of two psychic mediums recently involved in the episode of the TV2 show Sensing Murder that looked into her death, and says all of the cases he worked on for the program that one had the most profound effect on him. It almost broke me, that case, admits Calvin, who says he was able to hear, see and feel her murder. Alicia was the strongest, bravest little spirit I have ever met in my life. I'm a dad and I found it hard. I was upset for months afterwards. It took a long time to get over it. Calvin was taken to the Auckland Street where Alicia was killed and he could, well, he did locate her house. He says Alicia's spirit showed him what happened and that's how he knew details, such as the fact that she had been redressed after she was killed. Calvin described several details about the man he says was responsible, including the fact that he worked in a paint factory at the time. He says, I'm still hopeful the police will be able to catch him. So, very interesting whether you're a believer in psychics or not. Um, Like, let's keep going. Quickly before we move on, if you have information on this case or any other cases that we cover, please call Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111. So 0800 You can call the police on 105 or just go into your local police station. Case suggestions, you can uh, email me at nzmissing at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and we are on podcast. Just search for New Zealand Mysteries. I want to thank Mike from San Francisco. He went to buymeacoffee.com forward slash nzmysteries and bought a few cups of coffee from me. And I want to thank him and thank everyone else that donates. Uh, It's really important because... We probably won't get monetized being a channel that talks about uh, horrible things, basically. So the only way that I can get help for the equipment and to keep going is from you guys. I also have a PayPal and that's in the description box below. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, I know it only takes a few seconds for you, but it means a lot for this show and share it around if you can. Everything is going to be in the description box below, so let's move on. So, from what I can tell, this is where you can buy uh, Nancy's book, Amazon.com. It's called Broken Angels. Uh, I don't know, if you Google, you could probably find other places, um, because this is $11, which is pretty damn good, but that's Australian, uh, no, it's not, it's American dollars, so I'm not sure... Um, how that would transfer but I imagine I'll read the blurb drama and tragedy have pursued Nancy O'Reilly throughout her life adopted as a baby and sexually abused from a young age in 1980 she discovered her daughter Lalisha had been uh, and murdered in her own home overnight 
The event changed her life forever. She set out to discover the truth of her daughter's death, but in a famous unsolved case, has never had the satisfaction of finding closure. In 1987, her older daughter, Juliet, was killed in a car crash, and two years later, a third daughter died a few hours after birth. Such tragedies would have destroyed a lesser woman, but Nancy O'Reilly took control of her life and has since made some tough decisions to improve her lot and that of her sons. Through her extraordinary experiences, she is now making a unique contribution in her work as a counsellor of violent men. Broken Angels is a remarkably positive and uplifting story of a woman of great spirit who has triumphed powerfully over adversity. It sounds amazing, so I'm definitely going to look into getting this book. Um, I might go to the library and see if it's there or something. So what do you think, guys? Um, This is a real tragic case. Um, And it's not just about Alicia. It's also about her mum. It's a bit of a story about both of them. It's one of New Zealand's biggest cases biggest unsolved cases i'm so glad that they are opening it up again and taking a fresh look at everything hopefully they find something that they can use especially after some dickhead got rid of the um semen and all that in 1980 i don't know who in their right mind what muppet would do that so let's hope that they can find something else thanks for being with me um, I hope you- I have been fed, that's a fact I have been fed, that's a fact My credit card purchases get me cash back My credit card purchases get me cash back No one else gets these rewards Sergeant, that is just plain untrue What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Team USA is training hard and ready for the Olympic Games. And so is Jacob. Woo! I've got my lucky shirt and Xfinity Flex. Ooh, yeah. Jacob's family got Xfinity Internet with the best Wi-Fi for their home and a Flex 4K streaming box free, plus Peacock Premium included. So Jacob is ready for anything. Go Team USA! With medal ceremonies, highlights, interviews, and more, plus all his favorite streaming apps in one place. Can your internet do that? Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Peacock subscription required. Xfinity, proud partner of Team USA.